0: Gary, what are you doing over here? Well, I was cleaning up space here within the mist to start offering sponsorships on our program. That sounds like a great idea. I know. I even found this book of a thousand
1: and one dad jokes. Uh, Okay, maybe that part doesn't sound great, but
0: the sponsorships do. True. This way people can promote their products or events to reach the fantastic listeners of our weekly podcast. We can post pre-recorded commercial spots, or read prepared copy, or even help to write the perfect spot to really promote them. Ah, well how can they find out more about these opportunities? That's easy as well. They just have to contact us for more information via email. Within the at Podcast at gmail.com Wait,
1: 101 debt. Uh, this is exciting, but isn't that the Necronomicon? Well,
0: that explains the flying demons then. Oh, Lord. and welcome to our podcast within the mist a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown i am your ferocious cow of a host gary here to entertain and inform you about the likes of cryptids ghosts and other mysteries with my lovely wife and co-host goldie ann good morning goldie ann
1: good morning gary how are you I, i thought i was the ferocious cow
0: not that i've ever noticed before and i really don't want to get beat up for calling you a cow (laughs) maybe my lamb but uh yeah i'm gonna refrain for all my own personal safety of ever calling you a cow (laughs) smart Uh, i I learned from experience well let me begin with some news brand new adventures is starting this week and celebrating shark week in our way of visiting all of the shark attractions located at orlando sea world This includes the Shark Encounter, lunch at Shark's Restaurant, and a thrill ride on the Mako roller coaster.
1: Of course, my favorite is the love of sharks, so that was a lot of fun for me. We celebrate Shark Week, I think, because of me.
0: (laughs) There's the most majority. Now, Brand New Adventures is a video channel on YouTube, but also a podcast that you'll be able to listen to on the same providers you listen to this podcast on. Uh, If you're interested in the YouTube channel, just do a query for Brand New Adventures. I'll also place a link in the show notes. Please be sure to check them out on a weekly basis as more will be added. And speaking of YouTube, I've continued on transferring all of my TikTok videos over to be available on our YouTube channel Within the Mist. Personally, just to let everyone know, I am considering shutting down the TikTok channel and just presenting the content on YouTube. I'm just having so many problems with TikTok not showing my video, and I do not understand the algorithm, and it's become more frustrating than worthwhile doing. But I still want to do the video, so it's definitely going to transfer over to YouTube.
1: Yeah, especially since you have thousands of followers on it.
0: And still only getting 300 views. So that makes no sense to me. But because of your support, we're also gaining sponsorships and the show is actually getting paid for. I know that that may mean a commercial spot being added to the show, but we do have control of what is being placed there. So I promise to keep it worthwhile. And speaking of worthwhile, Goldie Ann, mm-hmm. it's time for the humor of the week. Oh dear. But I do have some bad news. Okay. I was very sad to hear that an old friend of mine died. It seems he was walking along the street one day when he saw an ox being taken away by the police wearing a sweater. The police was wearing the sweater or was the ox wearing a sweater? The ox was wearing the sweater. Interesting. Oh, yeah. What makes it even more interesting is, is that the coroner said that my friend died of a cardiac arrest. Oh dear God. Wow. Why are you scratching your head like that?
1: I'm just trying to figure you out.
0: Oh, that's been a lost cause for a long time now. As a disclaimer, today's episode contains stories about animal abuse that resulted in the creation of a monstrous creature that may roam the woods of Wisconsin. Animal abuse?
1: Am I going to be okay with this episode?
0: Well, then you're going to listen and you'll find out. Oh, dear. Yeah. Just remember, we are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. Now, in the state of Wisconsin, it is said there is a devilish spiked beast tormenting the residents and the logging camps of the area. It feeds on moose or other large creatures but was particularly fond of white bulldogs. What? Yes, the other, other white. The story began in the 1800s in the town of Rhinelander was a pioneer lumber town. The men who worked the Northwoods claimed that it was a reincarnated, restless spirit of the sturdy, hard-working oxen that dragged the felled logs from the forest to the streams. Visitors to the area are warned that they may come across the mysterious, mischievous beast, which has roamed the Northlands for more than a century and has become the official symbol of the town of Rhinelander. So now, if you are ready, let's take a walk within the mist to discover the Hodag. Chapter 1. The Ox and the Panther For the lumbermen of Wisconsin, the chief beast of burden was the humble ox. Slowly and patiently, the creature conveyed the huge logs out of the forest to the side of some of the streams. Life for this beast was truly one of oppression. The manner of driving the ox was at the point of a three and a half foot long stick and excessive profanity. This is where the animal abuse comes in. Now, over time, from the frequent beatings, the hide of the ox was said to be proof against the elements, but was not invulnerable against the profanity of the several drivers. Quote, Curses come to home to roost, and a constant dripping will wear away stone. Such was the case of the ox, whose life under these unfavorable conditions did not usually exceed six years. Damn. Damn. The poor creature had to suffer from beatings and being yelled at throughout his entire lifetime. Once one of these poor beasts collapsed, the customary barrel ceremony was cremation. The belief of these sturdy woodsmen was that seven years of continuous fire was necessary to completely exterminate the profanity and cursing which had accumulated in the body of the ox during his entire life. Or you could just stop doing it. That would be uh, the smarter way of doing it. But for an ox who had led an exceptionally hard and cruel life, a terrible event would occur at the end of the seventh year of cremation. As the fire died down, there, slowly issued from the great pile of ashes, would be a mystical animal, later to be known as the Hodag. In fact... The creature's scientific name is bovine spiritualis, referring to the ghost of a cow or ox. This zombified ox's haunts became the dense swamps of that region. According to his discoverers, this fearsome beast fed on moose, mud turtles, water snakes, and muskrats, but it would not disdain eating human flesh. Dun, dun, dun. So we have an ox that has died, been cremated, but has come back to life as this monstrous hodak.:
1: Well, with as much as, you know, zombies are nowadays, I'd probably just shoot in the head.
0: <laughs> zombies are played very high in today's society and definitely in po- popular culture and movies. Before, you scoff at such a creature possibly existing there were Native Americans who had dealt with such creatures even before the pioneers came to the land. Historians have suggested that the hodag strongly resembles picture graphs found near Lake Superior that depict, and I'm hoping I pronounced this right, the Mishipishu, the Ojibwa water panther. Now, Mishipishu translates into the great lynx, And it has the head and paws of a giant cat but is covered in scales and has dagger-like spikes running along its back and tails. Wow. And I have a picture of what this water panther looks like to the Native Americans. And if I was to describe it, it's basically a four-legged creature with great horns on its head and spikes running along its back all the way down to its tail. These characteristics would become back when we start describing the actual Hodag. In mythologies of the indigenous peoples of the Great Lakes, these underwater panthers are described as water monsters that live in opposition to the thunderbirds. Underwater panthers are seen as a opposing yet complementary force to the thunderbirds, and they are engaged in eternal conflict, a yin for the other's yang the underwater panther was an amalgam of parts of many animals it had the body of a wild feline often a cougar or a lynx the horns of a bison upright scales on its back and short muscular legs many of the same features were present on both creatures the water panther and the hodag. and so
1: it's back like features more like a stegosaurus
0: <laughs> very much that is exactly how a lot of people have described it is that it having spikes along its back is similar to a stegosaurus dinosaur nice chapter 2 the discovery of the hodag in 1928 the hodag and other tales of the logging camps by lakeshore kearney tells of the history of the hodag creature in october of 1893 Thanks to a Northwoods lumberman and resort owner named Eugene Jean Shepard, the reports of the hodag, including photographic evidence of the beast, began to circulate. So, Goldie, Ant, let's travel to the year of 1893.
1: It's probably better than the year 2022. Every year is better than the year 2020.
0: <laughs> Even having a monstrous hodag would be better than 2020. But for our story, at twilight. Eugene Shepard, a timber cruiser, was taking a customary quiet stroll into the forest, breathing in the fragrance of the tall pines and hemlocks. Suddenly, he became aware of an unusual odor in the air, which aroused his curiosity. On looking further through the depths of the foliage, he discovered a strange creature, so unlike anything he had ever seen before that it was almost beyond description. Though a student of wood lore and of both prehistoric and other wild animals, Shepard could not classify the monstrosity, which was gazing at him with glowing green eyes and sniffing from nostrils of a flaming red hue. The animal's back resembled that of a dinosaur in his tail. The tail extended to an enormous length, which had a spear-like ending. Sharp spines, one and a half feet apart, aligned the spinal column. The creature's legs were short but massive, and the claws were thick and curved, denoting great strength. The knobbed head, much like a frog, possessed a pair of prominent bulging eyes and two heavy lateral horns. Something after the fashion of a male beetle. The broad, furrowed forehead was covered with coarse, shaggy hair, and from its broad, muscular mouth, there were sharp, glistening white teeth protruding from the gums. Huh. And here is a picture of a Hodag kind mm, of looks kind of cute. To you, Annie, you're, you're much like Hagrid in the Harry Potter movies, <laughs> and uh, never met a monster that you didn't like. So yes, this uh, hodag is so ugly that he is cute. Later that night, in the north woods among the silvery lakes, there was once a region of tall, swaying pine trees and evergreens. The people who inhabited this region were the sturdy woodsman type, a man's man. They were men who lived hard and loved the great outdoors with its primitive life close to nature. The men were winding down after a hard day's work around the campfire when the winds rushed through the campsite out of nowhere to be followed by a noise coming from the dark. From the rustling forest bushes amidst the heavy panting and a man burst out of the front of them. He was cold, visibly shaken, and barely conscious. Despite being out of breath, the loggers could make out one word. Once the man, Eugene Shepard, regained consciousness, he told him about the creature they had seen and how much he needed their help. After discussing whether the men should listen to him or not, they finally decided to go back with him into the woods and see if they could track down the supposed beast that he was talking about. The loggers loaded up their hunting dogs and their rifles. Jean began laughing at the Rough and Ready men, claiming that the rifles would not be enough to stop the hodag. When it came to the dogs, Jeans explained that the white bulldogs were its favorite meal and would most likely devour the lumberjacks' entire pack before they could even bark their warning to the men. Damn. There was only one way to take down a creature this tough. Dynamite.
1: Oh hell, here we go.
0: You know it's going to be a battle when dynamite's involved.
1: <laughs> I've seen that movie.
0: Well, now equipped with the explosives, the men with Eugene headed out into the woods ready to capture the beast dead or alive. Jean and the men tried to capture the beast. They failed and then blew it up with the dynamite. Okay, so they failed, but they blew it up with dynamite. They tried to capture it, failed that part, so then they ended up blowing it up. Okay. What they were left with was a captured photograph with the surviving men gathered around it, a defeated hodag, pretty much burnt to a cinders and completely blackened from the explosion. Wait, so they actually caught something? Well, it wouldn't be a story if it didn't catch something.
1: Well, yeah, most of the stories don't catch things, though.
0: Well, Eugene is different from most other cryptid hunters. Okay. Because once the creature had been killed, the body was propped up for a dramatic photograph retelling of the defeat of the monster. This evidence has since then become famous in Wisconsin cryptid history. And I have that photograph for you, Ann. Oh, wow. So as you can see, we have the Hodag creature blackened and propped up after being blown up with dynamite, surrounded by the rough and ready... Uh, men who fought against it.
1: Okay, so... I know you're going to put this picture up on the uh, show notes, Absolutely. It looks so fake.
0: (gasps) I'm hurt! (laughs) What makes it look fake?
1: Well, obviously it wasn't burned to cinders, because there's still the picture of a hodag there.
0: But look how black and crispy he is.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Still not buying it? No. Oh, okay. Well... After the photo was taken, the body crumbled, and Gene Shepard had lost his prize. He vowed he would be successful the next time he came across such a creature, but that would take three years. Chapter three: The second hunt for the hodag. Jean Shepard's second attempt was the three years later in 1896. For this hunt he selected from the farthest corners of the earth men of great courage and chivalry. These were men who, in the rough and tumble, fight bears. <laughs> I'm sorry. not laughing out loud? <laughs> well, who else would you want to fight a monster other than bear wrestlers? Uh-huh. These men were known to toss their guns into the brush and stick their bowie knives into nearby trees and then go unarmed and fight bears of the wilderness hand to oh, hand. Okay. These were the type of rough and ready men that Gene selected to help him capture the formidable hodag.
1: He didn't realize they were actually from the local circus, huh?
0: <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> resumes of these men really looked like. So how do you really put that on a piece of paper that you spent your career working as a bear wrestler? Uh, yeah. Hmm. But these were the men he selected. And on top of that, he also spent the three years studying the legends of the creature and its habits. Once he felt confident that he was an expert on the subject of the hodag, he set his plan in motion. Gene found a cave out in the woods where one of these hodags lived. With the aid of the bear wrestlers, they blocked up the entrance with large rocks, leaving only a very small hole. Through this crevice left in the barricade, Jean inserted a long pole on the end of which he fastened a sponge soaked in chloroform. The men all waited until they heard the snorting and clawing of the creature. Then, there was a loud thud as it fell to the floor of the cave. The hodag, thus rendered unconscious, was then securely tied and taken back to Rhinelander, where a stout cage had been prepared for it. Gene had successfully captured a living hodag. Okay, now this is more like it. In what way?
1: Because now he's alive and he, I want proof.
0: You want proof? I want the proof. Well, this is at the turn of the century, and oddly enough, Gene captured the Hodag just before the opening of the Anita County Fair, <laughs> in which the captured Hodag was the most popular attraction. Shepard offered glimpses of the creature for a dime of peek, although this was at the far end of a dimly lit tent. Thousands of people came to see the savage creature. Would that be enough witnesses for you?
1: Well, along with the strongest man and the little bearded lady?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes, so you have the whole sideshow going on with the Barkers out front of the tents, and Gene would actually begin his show greeting the people dressed in a nice suit of clothes, and he would promise to show the hodag to the audience. He would walk to the other end of the display tent and take the caged beast behind the curtains. There he would disappear, but the people could hear a commotion so horrendous of growling, snarling, snapping, and sounds of wood-breaking. According to the legend, because it was so abused with profanity and ridicule during its life as an ox, the hodag now becomes enraged when people tease or insult the creature. Having a crowd of onlookers seemed just the type of people to upset the creature and send it into a ferocious frenzy. The creature is also very aware of its ugly appearance and does weep tears that instantly turn to crystals. In fact, one woman had gathered enough of these crystals, thinking that they were amber, that she made a necklace out of them. But back to Jean and his fight with the monster in the sideshow. After a minute or two of the commotion and violent events happening behind the curtains, Gene would run back out with his clothes in complete tatters. The poor, wounded showman would tell the people, I'm really sorry. I can't show you the whole creature today. He's just not viewable. He's so angry. The people loved the exhibit and their close encounter with such an aggressive Hodag. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure, sure.
0: I'm just not buying it. What? Yeah. There were thousands of people who saw what this creature did to poor Jean, mm-hmm. and, and you're gonna say that it was a fake? I'm I'm crushed here. <laughs> the show was so successful that after the fair, Jean quit his job as a timber cruiser and took up one as a real estate broker. He spent the rest of his life promoting Rhinelander and the hodag that made it famous to the town people were drawn to rhinelander because it had a monster the city was thriving now more than it ever did as a logging community even today rhinelander continues to recognize its unusual appeal sparing no opportunity to hype the fanged creature known as the hodag. but the state of wisconsin was not the only one with a claim on the hodag. Uh
1: oh, copyright.
0: <laughs> Back in the 1900s, yes, that would have been very interesting to do. Chapter four: Reports beyond Wisconsin. The popularity of Wisconsin's cryptid crossed the United States, and it was not long before other states began reporting their own appearances of the hodag. The Pine Barrens Institute published one article on its website from the Bemidji Pioneer newspaper, dated June 7, 1900. The article was titled, A Fierce Animal Discovered in Beltrami County, located in Minnesota. Don't you know? Well, according to the article, Wellington Schroeder returned yesterday, therefore on June 6, from the northern part of the county with a story that beat sea serpents all to smash. He personally met a wild beast, which the settlers call a hodag. This is an animal which is nearly extinct, and the only one of its kind known to be in captivity is at Rhinelander, Wisconsin. So even this newspaper recognizes that the creature is real. Oh, yeah. Mm. So take that. The hodag, according to the newspaper article, is a meat-eater and subsists on moose in the kindred game which it rushes upon and rips with its horns. It has four of these, one on the snout and three upon its back. It has a tough hide covered with brownish hair. Wellington met this creature Sunday in the woods near the mouth of the Black Duck River, 30 miles beyond Ten Strike. Which I have no idea where that is, so that doesn't help me out much. Okay. Wellington had no weapon larger than a knife, and if he even had a cannon, he would not have dared to use it, he said. He made for a large tree and found it to his satisfaction that the Hodag had feet too large for scaling purposes. The man climbed up and sat on a branch and studied the natural history while the animal sawed the tree and studied the man for over a half hour. Eventually, it vanished. It is said that this brute is the terror of the neighborhood and has killed a number of cattle for the lumbermen. The newspaper asks that if any circus wants him, Mr. Schroeder will give up his claim by right of discovery. The nice thing about this newspaper article is that its last line, it states, it may be well added that he is not a drinking man. (laughs) So you have to add that disclaimer on any of these types of articles.
1: Yeah, you probably still should
0: this is true now other than minnesota other states also started having reports on the appearance of the creature or more interesting a lot of them explained why they had a lack of appearances according to the newspapers it seemed that the hodag had one great weakness much like superman has his kryptonite the ferocious beast could be instantly killed as well would you like to take a guess what can kill a hodag? Um, a hoe bag? A hoe bag? What is a hoe bag?
1: I'm sure our listeners know. <laughs> oh, good, because I do not.
0: <laughs> and I'm kind of scared of what the answer would be. But that's, it would be incorrect. The true answer is that the ferocious beast could be instantly dissolved by the juice of lemons. Oh, dear God. What? you have a problem with lemons, too? That seems crazy. What? No. In fact, this was discovered when the woman I mentioned previously, the one with the crystallized teardrops for a necklace, she accidentally spilled a drink on herself and the necklace dissolved. In fact, one newspaper in Arizona even reported that an entire horde of the stampeding creatures was defeated by the juice of two lemons. (laughs) Sorry. Are you okay over there? me up. Now, due to lemonade gaining in popularity in the America's West during the turn of the century, the population of the Hodag became rare to almost extinct. Too much lemon. In fact, it was commonly believed that the region of Rhinelander, Wisconsin, was considered to be the last location where it could still be found, and Eugene Shepard was the only person in possession of a living specimen. So are you belie- are you a believer yet? No All right, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to turn up the notch and really give you some evidence. Okay. Chapter five When the Smithsonian comes calling.
1: Oh not them too.
0: If you want to have someone validate your discovery, wouldn't the Smithsonian be your primary choice? Yeah. okay. So. As newspapers, locally, statewide, and nationally, began picking up the story of the remarkable living creature, a small group of scientists from the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. announced that they were traveling to Winelander to inspect the discovery of the hodag. They had prepared a team of scientists, zoologists, and historians together for a research team it was expected that they would collect samples of the creature to document and scientifically classify the creature once and for all. (laughs) If the guy let him see it. Well, Gene did attempt to delay or even prohibit the Smithsonian from coming to Rhinelander. When he realized that their announcement spelled the end of his gimmick, Uh he was forced to admit that the hodag was indeed Uh a hoax. So you feel vindicated now? Very. Alright. Well, according to Gene, the live hodag that he was showcasing was a log of wood <laughs> covered in an ox hide with cattle horns that he had stuck on. Having connected wires to this dummy hodag, Shepherd would occasionally move the creature while his son made growling noises. <laughs> this would typically send the already skittish viewers fleeing from the display. Wow. The rest was all showmanship by Shepherd. Shepard would often tell the curious customers that the hodag was especially angry on those days. In order to convince those people that he was telling the truth, he would go into his shed to calm the hodag. and while he was in the shed, he would change into shredded clothes to make it look like he had been attacked. He would also have his sons make a lot of noise behind the shed to make the attack sound more convincing. Everything had been a circus show. A fact that the residents of the town and the people who visited could all agree on. It seems no one was really fooled. Did he give these people their money back? No. <laughs> they paid for a show. He gave them a show. He didn't promise
1: oh, that's true.
0: that it was a real day. And rather than facing backlash, the town congratulated Gene on his ingenuity as... Town continued to prosper and grow despite the common acknowledgement of a fake hodag and Jean being a prankster. A curious fact of these people is that there were many who weren't ready to believe that the hodag was a hoax. Like you. <laughs> Here's some evidence that helps to support those people. Uh oh. Chapter six A Hodag Skull Discovery. Debate on whether the hodag was an actual creature or a hoax continued with various newspaper articles. Many believe, many newspapers believed that the Eugene Shepherd Declaration of the Hodag hoax was in fact a hoax. He was accused of hiding the actual living breathing creature in the woods of the Wisconsin and had produced the log in order to throw people off the trail. In an article by B.J. Hollers for the Country Today newspaper written in August 18, 2021, the story of the hodag got even more curious. Wait. Today? Well, last year? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yes, so we have an article that came out last year that provided even more evidence about the hodag legend. Okay. In this article, during the summer of 1972, Rhinelander mayor Claribel Prosser received a letter from a Clayton Bailey, who is the curator of Wonders of the World Museum in California. The letter informed her of a recently discovered hodag skeleton in northern Canada. As a reminder, this is the region of the reported Misha Pishu, the Ojibwa water panther. Hmm. So it brings a connection between the two creatures again. Okay. The letter was accompanied by the, quote, "world's only known Hodag skull. Bailey donated it to the city of Rhinelander, Hodag capital of the world, in the spirit of international goodwill. Interesting? The people of Rhinelander would bestow with momentarily proof of its mystical beast. Unfortunately, no one knows where the skull is today. However, Bailey's famed letters does still exist and is hanging just inside the town's logging museum in Pioneer Park. But not the skull. Not the skull. The skull has disappeared.
1: Or well, it was never there in the first place.
0: Hey! <laughs> you don't want to hear that kind of talk here. <laughs> in November 6, 1972, the Rhinelander Daily News published an article titled, Hodag Legend Verified. According to the article, Bailey contended that the Hodag creator Eugene Shepard actually did discover a real live Hodag back in 1896. Though, to protect the rare creature from unwanted attention, he carved a fake Hodag, which he certainly did do, to draw attention away from the real one. Mm-hmm. Gene had seemed to want to protect the poor, tortured animal from any further abuse. Now, while the skull has vanished from history, what remains is the legend of Clayton Bailey himself. Okay. So the truth is that Bailey was born in Antigua, Wisconsin in 1939. His work as the curator of the Wonders of the World Museum is actually a front of sorts for his true calling as an artist. By the late 1960s, Bailey had moved from Wisconsin to California to become a leader in the funk art movement, an artistic style that offers viewers a funkier, pulp-cultured-inspired form of art, from creating robots to hoedag cow skulls. Uh Bailey's commitment to crafting fossilized remains of cryptids, he has made backyard Bigfoot skeletons to pterodactyl bones, to even a sea serpent carcass washed ashore on the Florida coast. All of these lent themselves to a different artistic medium, performance art. Okay, interesting. So he would create hoax pieces of art in order to motivate the stories of these cryptid creatures, and his latest one was the Hodag skull. Now to add credence to his supposed discoveries, Bailey regularly called upon the expertise of his alter ego, (laughs) Dr. George Gladstone, who turned out to just be Bailey dressed in a lab coat. Oh my God, this is getting crazy. Clayton Bailey bamboozled with the best of them, providing the people of Rhinelander a new wave of hodag hoopla, one that boistered the legend that was starting to teeter towards obsolescence. In this way... Bailey served as Rhinelander's second coming of Eugene Shepard. His one-man hoax became another man's art. <laughs> so, where does that leave the town of Rhinelander? In a looney tune asylum? Actually, they enjoy the joke. They still thrive in the show of the hodag, right up into the sightings of creatures today. Much like telling fish stories to one another. So you can find any number of citizens in Hodag and they will have their own version of sightings of the creature. YouTuber Rheinlander Hodag continued research and a collection of creature sightings on his YouTube page until about 13 years ago. The videos are still available and there are multiple videos about the Hodag and its effect on the town. One of the more interesting ones that I will provide a link to is about a Rhinelander resident telling this his story on video posted January 24th of 2007. This is his story. He was mushroom hunting on a trail <laughs> north of Rhineland. Here we go. I know. It's never said <laughs> what kind of mushrooms, so we will assume that they were not the responsible cause for this encounter. But I did have to put that in there. As the mushroom hunter made a turn in the trail he saw this green thing making whistling noises it was standing on three legs and pointing to something that was around the corner in the ditch to the man so the creature is standing on three legs using a fourth leg to point for the man to look at a different direction so these are very smart creatures oh yeah when he had made his way to the ditch he discovered another hodag grunting at the bottom. According to the storyteller, the creature sounded like quote somebody who eats potatoes and trying to get into an old pair of Levi's that were a size too small.
1: Wow, I feel offended.
0: <laughs> well now you know So attacked. <laughs> well, if you want to get a visual of what a hodag sounds like, there you go. It seems that the hodag had sat in an ant's nest, and its tail end was covered with the insects. Its huge green tail resembled a snake, causing the mushroom hunter to wet his pants in fright. <laughs> now, the eyewitness explained that he had previous experience with snakes. As he stated, he had learned the art of sleeping standing up on a dresser when he was younger because their boa constrictor had gotten loose in the house. Yeah, the boa can't climb onto a dress. This man knows his snakes. <laughs> Obviously he does. The man did feel sorry for the distressed creature and took out a bottle of mosquito lotion out of his pocket, uncorked it, and splashed the liquid onto the tail end covered in ants. The insects scattered, but the hodak popped up out of the ditch, screaming at the top of his lungs. The noise was so loud that it caused the pine cones to fall out of the tree. He thought the beast was going to come after him, so he hid behind a tree. Eventually, the creature became exhausted, but its tail end was still irritated. It backed up to a pine tree and started rubbing against the bark. It was in more pain than ever. Since the mushroom hunter had made his way closer to his car on the trail, he went and waited inside of it for safety. After he felt that everything seemed quiet, he walked back to get his bag of mushrooms. He realized his mushroom bag was empty because he took them all. Does, he does not admit to that, but I will agree that that does seem possible. <laughs> he looked at the tree where the now. He looked at the tree which was now leaning thirty degrees. And all that was left at the base of the tree was a head and horns of the hodag. So he rubbed himself to death? Or there was lemon in the mosquito lotion and it basically dissolved him. (laughs) Jesus. Not wanting to waste on the experience, the man took back to his home and mounted the skull over his fireplace at one of his cabins. Although this video never shows that skull or what the hodag head looked like. It would seem that the lemon juice and the insect repellent or the constant rubbing had rubbed the creature out of existence. In either case, this is a very amusing tale of the hodag, which seems very common amongst the residents of Rhinelander, where hilarious hucksterism is welcomed with opened arms. So the people thrive on these kind of stories. They have fun with the Hodak. I guess so. So much so that it fills pretty much all of the town's popular culture. The people of this Wisconsin town have never been upset about the Hodak hoax. It is possible that they are relieved that it's not real because having a ferocious zombie ox roaming the woods would be kind of scary. Yeah, I guess so. They enjoy being part of the joke, and locals began using the tongue in cheek monster as an excuse for anything that went wrong, such as golfers losing their balls, uh, was always blamed on the Hodags, potholes in the streets, blame it on the Hodag. You couldn't find your homework, blame it on the Hodag. Pretty much this was common for everyone within the town limits. Rhinelander has embraced the Hodag as their mascot for the city and tourism industry. Hodag banners flutter from the street poles downtown. The local candy store sells Hodag poop. And at least six statues and billboards of Hodags can be spotted along the main roads. It is even the mascot of the Rhinelander High School. The Rhinelander Chamber of Commerce, still at the forefront of monster marketing, has unveiled its own copyrighted and trademarked Hodag statue. This is a larger-than-life fiberglass sculpture created by a local artist. It resides on the front lawn of its building, where it draws thousands of visitors each year. So just like Point Pleasant has the Mothman statue, Rhinelander has its Hodag statue. Alrighty. And that is what it looks like.
1: Oh, he's so cute. Oh, that one looks just like um, Never Ending Story. What's his name? The the dragon? Name.
0: The Luck Dragon? Falcor?
1: Yeah, Falcor. It looks like Falcor. I with I spikes, I guess there super is super
0: teeth. I guess there is some resemblance between the two.
1: Okay, it looks just like Falcor. Okay, except me, you know, got teeth and spikes and shit.
0: For a glimpse of the less evolved Hodags of yore, there's also the Rhinelander Logging Museum, which sells a selection of Hodag souvenirs, including photo postcards of the Hodag capture of 1896, the picture I showed you earlier. It also keeps two prime hodags on display, a life-size replica in a glass case from 1951 and a smaller furry hoedag up near the rafters. The hodag also lends its name and image to the Hodag County Festival, which was founded in 1978 as an outdoor music festival. So each summer, usually during the second weekend of July, 30 to 50,000 Jeez. attendees come for nine days of country music. So, yes, this small town now hosts 30 to 50,000 people for their country music festival. Some of the past attendees include Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw, and Reba McIntyre. So, the popularity that was initially created by this mysterious creature has truly helped the town. Wow. There is also a Hodag Heritage Festival which is more focused on the cryptid and the town's history with it. The second annual festival was just held in May and featured some pretty interesting activities to include a reenactment of Eugene Shepard's Hodag Sideshow, so you could actually sit in the audience and see how Eugene did his little show in Attack with the Monster. It also had bus tours through the local area and a Hodag Calling Contest. Come here, ho bag! Remember that cause we may be going to this next year? Oh, no, but it got the dog's attention. <laughs> okay, so you're calling our dogs hoe bags? She is a hoe bag. Wow, harshness! Now, my podcast wouldn't be complete because every monster needs its own monster movie. There is a horror movie about the hodag.
1: Never-ending story!
0: I wouldn't count *The Neverending Story* as a horror movie, and I'm still not convinced that *Falkor* is a hodag.
1: Okay, wait. You saw the the pawn scene
0: with pa- the train. Okay, you. that is yeah. not a horror that scene. Horror. That is just a really depressing scene. That is sheer horror. Okay, still too early. I I can't discuss that right now. Okay. Now wait, let's wait, get wait. back to the hodag horror movie, titled as *Backwoods Bloodbath*. This 2007 movie synopsis states that in 1877, a fierce creature known as Bovinus Spiritualis, the Black Hodag, was discovered in the northern woods of Oneida County, Wisconsin. To this day, locals whisper of the Black Forest and the curse of the creature that dwells within. Mm -hmm. Backwoods Bloodbath is an old-school horror gore flick about six friends who take a road trip to a backcountry town Where a local legend has been feeding off the population for decades, only to find themselves becoming the latest items on the creature's menu.
1: That's cool. Where's it streaming? I don't know. We'll
0: have to find it. Okay. (laughs) So yes, so now we have a hodag monster movie. Cool. So now I've given you so much uh, evidence. Mm -hmm. I've shown you photos. Uh Photos are evidence. Plus, thousands of people have seen this creature. And we said it was a hoax. No, we also said it was a hoax of a hoax. Oh, God.
1: Okay. So what
0: are some of your final opinions?
1: Um, it was a very entertaining story. And for those of you who have not turned off this podcast, thank you for sticking around.
0: <laughs> I thought of this whole episode was fun and entertaining. It was. Now, the thought of a creature being mistreated so badly that it comes back from the dead as a Hodag monster is sad as animal abuse is unacceptable but that's completely believable if i was an abused animal i would come back and haunt your ass so that part you'll believe but the rest of it no yeah well the town did turn this sad story into a monster urban legend and it attracted thousands of people to the small logging camp the idea is just genius absolutely everything from it from start to finish The man who started it all, Eugene Shepard, did die in 1923, but his legacy lives on in the town of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. People love to embrace the legend and the P.T. Barnum level of showmanship that Gene demonstrated. It is the most important thing for me to take away from this legend, is how this man created something that is so well-loved for so many years afterwards.
1: Right, which is exactly what P.T. Barnum did.
0: Agreed. Well, being sure to not tease any zombie oxes tonight, <laughs> I suppose this is a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. I'd like to give special thanks to David Facilian and Facilian Studios for our introduction music. We would like to ask you to please leave us a review on the podcast provider you are listening to this show on to help promote it. We are on all the social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about encounters with the Kodak. Or maybe you have some theories of your own. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Miss Podcast. We are also on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, we have an email at within Podcast at gmail.com. For any of you who would like to share, we love stories and hearing about your own personal experiences. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the Hodak and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) See you next time.